with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Of course, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsink. With me, my co-host, feeling much better now. She is the blonde show herself, Miss Ann Kerrigan. Hello. Yes. Back to 100%. There you go. 100%. There you go. Maybe 110. I don't know. Very good. (laughs) So we have an interesting show tonight. This is the new year, and we Mm -hmm. say Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, But we have someone who... uh, is kind of a prolific writer, I would guess you would say, right? I would say so. Yes, definitely. And uh, he is a friend of uh, Joni uh, Mayhem, right? Mayhan, yes. Yeah, whatever. Not Mayhem, Mayhan. Well. I know you like to say Mayhem, but no. She, she, she don't mind. <laughs> she accepts it. <laughs> <laughs> so you introduce him so I don't butcher his name. There you go. <laughs> All right. This evening we have guest and author, paranormal author, Gare Allen. I hope. Are you there, Gare? Good, e- Good evening, guys. How are you? Oh, Good. great. How are, How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year. And for the record, mayhem does work for Joni. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> It just comes natural. I don't know. It just falls out of Ron's mouth to say mayhem. <laughs> I've called her that before, and she's comfortable with it. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, mayhem's Anyways. fun, so why not? Why not? Why not? Anyway, so uh, you've been writing a few books here. Yeah, I have. I I started writing in 2006, and um, it was a result of. Pretty much me um, obsessing over metaphysics throughout uh, most of the 90s. So I had by chance one day to a plaza and there was a metaphysical bookstore. And I had never really had any interest in the metaphysical or paranormal. Although I had some paranormal experience prior to that, it wasn't really something I pursued. And it just grabbed me. I couldn't read enough about reincarnation and, and the spirits on the other side and astral projection and um, divination, and, and I just I swallowed it whole. I couldn't get enough, and so I started writing. I started writing in 2006, and um, I wrote a series of uh, short stories based on those metaphysical adventures. Um, and while I was writing those, I started to have all kinds of paranormal experiences, um, including in in a home I bought in 1999. So um, you know, I I've written in different genres as well, and. So I write about life, and, you know, life has ghosts, and life has, you know, dogs, and all the other things that happen. But uh, the majority of my books are based in the metaphysical or the paranormal. Right. They, and, they look awesome. I mean, you've got six that I can see just on the top of your website. Uh, but I know you have a couple more. Yeah, so um, the, the One Seven Lessons is actually a series of seven short stories um, in one collection. 
Um, and then I've got other – I'm a big uh, supporter of animal welfare, welfare and specifically canine welfare. So um, currently uh, there's two rescue dogs in my house, but there have been many, many more over the years, and there will be many more in the future years. So I've um, written some books and, and written about dogs and dog adoption stories. And I donated the proceeds of those books um, to rescue groups here in um, in Tampa, Florida, um, oh. to support those wonderful things they do to help out um, those rescue shelter dogs. Oh, yeah. I love that. I have two rescue dogs as well. And yeah, I, I'm pretty much into it. I, I like to uh, rescue women. I have two of my wife, <laughs> two of my house. and uh... <laughs> Really? Really, Ron? Are they chained yeah. in the basement, the attic? What? Uh, well, I don't know. know. If, if I wrote a book, that's a whole other genre. One thing you didn't know about me, Anne, though, is, is I did do a, uh, uh, a kitchen for a, uh, a uh, I forget what they call it. Well, it's not a rescue, but it's, uh, what, what do they call uh, You know, like a location where women can go to be protected from a uh, star. Like a shelter. Shelter. Well, it's, no, it's Same more house. than that. Safe house. Safe. It's a safe house, right? Yeah, because we when I had to do the contract, I mean, they had a sign that I've never revealed location, and all this other stuff. So oh, that was wow. it was that was intriguing, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's a sad world when that happens, whether yes. whether it's to women or dogs. It's a you know, it's people are just nuts out there nowadays. That's all I can say. Yes, they are. Um, Gare, I ha I have to comment because okay, if you go if you go to Gare's um, website. And you go to the boys' Christmas cards. Uh, that boys' is just, Christmas cards? Boys' Christmas cards. It's his what? dogs. Um, Christmas oh, cards of his dogs. Well, I, I should let him explain, but it, it's adorable, and I, I love it. I love it. So, um, so yeah, so as an adult, um, adopted my first dog or first rescue dogs in 2001, and um, I had them for 12 years, but I, and I started to take every Christmas card was of the dogs. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to put myself card or my other half. And we were like, yeah, let's go ahead and, and just do the dogs. And so that first generation of dog, um, actually, we got the lifespan actually matched 12 years. And so we wow. had 12 cards. So mm -hmm. I referenced the in uh, Two's Company, Three's a Pack, which is um, me telling my story of uh, adopting two rescue dogs, having them for about uh -huh. three years and life. And then I got a third dog, and those back, <laughs> and a whole new world opened up, and the dog's behavior changed, and, and it was so interesting. And at the time, um, I was actually in the pet industry and focused on dog training and grooming. That was actually I was charged with running that in the southeast, so it was very oh, wow. interesting to me. But I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so the dogs literally because there was a hierarchy, um, and I was told. <laughs> interesting um so the the book is about um loss i also lost my mother during that period so i write about dogs and and animals in general and, and their influence and how they helped me get through and and understand and, and cope with grief um through about 11 year period oh, oh they were they're all beautiful and um i especially love the card uh where two of the dogs are sitting there with a Christmas gift in front of them. The third dog has a, a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, the caption was, enjoy every holiday. I, I love it because I'm just yeah. not really – I'm not a fan of Christmas, so that's perfect. <laughs> unlike me, unlike me, who is a major fan of Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah. But, so I, I know it's nothing paranormal, but I just love the dogs. So.
I had to give a nod to all our paranormal peeps out there because Halloween is the Christmas of the paranormal community. So definitely <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we should get into your paranormal side. So, <laughs> the, the books have you written, are they fiction or nonfiction? So there's a mixture of both. So the original um, short stories I wrote were based on my experiences, but I, I weaved it into a fictional narrative using characters. The main character, Greer, is based on me. Um, at the time, my best friend, um, who was a very grounded individual, was a perfect um, counterpart um, in that story, and so I based it on him. And then there was always, of course, the love interest. And I got so many questions. By the time I had written book five, everybody kept asking me, are these books, did these things really happen to you? And I said, you know what? Let me write everything that has happened to me um, from, from my first experience at 12 years old to 19, um, what was the year? I'm sorry, 2014 when I finished the book. And it was called The Dead, A True Paranormal Story. And I literally tell it in chronolo chronological order exactly mm -hmm. everything that happened to me, uh, metaphysical, paranormal, in my life. And um, awesome. so that's where that came from. So that is 100% um, nonfiction and real. Wow. Oh, what, what, about, what about Haunted Tampa? So Haunted Tampa um, resulted from last year, I was uh, lucky enough to be uh, a guest speaker at the uh, Plymouth uh, Paracon that Sam um, Baltrusis put together. And then I was doubly lucky because I was able to see my good friend, Joni Mahan, and not only um, have a booth with her, but co-present with her. And she, of course, had written Haunted New Harmony, um, mm -hmm. talking about the haunted you know, right. places in New Harmony, Indiana. And, and incidentally, as an aside, all of my covers are done by Jody Mahan. Oh, oh wow. nice. I, I love oh, her, uh, the title she came up with for her books there. She's awesome. We just had her on the show a little while ago. In fact, she's yep. the one who recommended that we contact you. Yep. Yeah. She's just an amazing person, an author, yep. and an amazing. So, so Haunted Tampa, so the theme of the Paracon in Plymouth last year was Haunted Towns. And I said, well, makes sense to write Haunted Tampa. <laughs> um, so that's how that um, And again, you know, loving dogs and, and, of course, wanting to support our local law enforcement, all the proceeds of that book um, are going to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office um, and their canine um, deputy program with their, oh, their canine partner. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. We have an organization up here called Vesta Dog, and uh, they do a lot of fundraising to get the, you know, the uh, – Bulletproof vests for the dogs, for the canines. So yeah. that's an awesome idea. It always the dogs, doesn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. It always comes back to dogs, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> so it does. I actually have a question for you regarding uh, Haunted Tampa's Sulphur Springs Tower. Uh, what, what is that particularly? I mean, what is that exactly? So um, if you go to my website, I actually took a uh, selfie video from there, and I um, got some great pictures, and Joni worked her magic and created the cover of the book based on that tower, and that's how eerie and, and awesome, and so many people have thought I found it all postcard that I used for the cover, and it's not. It's an actual picture I took that uh, Joni ran through some of her uh, software, but um, so the um, Silver Spring Tower was, um, back I think it was 1921. And it was erected back in the day, and it was placed nearby the Hillsborough River um, where they had um, – there were bath salts, and there were healing properties in the waters and springs. And so they built a grand hotel, and actually Florida's first mall was built there. So it was a huge destination resort um, for the wealthiest time. And that water tower provided, you know, water for the guests in the hotel and the mall. 
And unfortunately, when the Great Depression hit and the economic strife struck so many people, uh, many people climbed the tower and threw themselves to their death. Mm. And it went on for years. And so over the years, um, the hotel, you know, went away and closed down. Um, and the water tower actually was, was unfunctional for quite some time. Uh, but it had since been uh, made a, a Tampa landmark. So it's, it's not really in pristine shape. Um, you can see the video on my website if you want to go there. Um, but they do have lights on it. It's in a nice park area. But I was there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was creepy. And, and I don't speak easily, uh, given the content I write about, but I was just, I did not feel comfortable. There wasn't a soul out there just in this beautiful park. But the park is strange. There's no chairs. There's no tables. Oh. There's no facilities in any way. So if you go there, other than throwing a football or a frisbee or maybe having a picnic, that's that's pretty much all you can do there. But um, I, I, I felt very uncomfortable. There were no sounds in the trees, no birds, no squirrels. And I was like, yeah, this is – so I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Mm-hmm. But there have been so many reports, and, and it's adjacent to our um, inter- interstate, which is 275. And so many people have reported as they drive by, because you can see it clearly, especially at night lit up um, mm-hmm. from the interstate, if it is so tall, and people jumping from the top. And they swear they see it. Um, oh. But, but they go there and there's no one there. So there's many, many stories. I included a couple um, in the book of people who, kids who went out there or people went out there at night, you know, mm-hmm. to have little adventures. And um, mm-hmm. they swear they heard, they felt, they saw, they one even tripped over a body that oh. tower only to find out that once they turned around, there was nothing there. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's a little crazy. creepy. A little. Wow. Just <laughs> saying. Wow, that <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, now, you, you mentioned earlier that you had your first experience when you were 12 years old, I believe. I did. Um, so I was uh, living in South Tampa at the time, and uh, my bedroom was at the top of the stairs. And I, I went upstairs, and I went to go to bed. It was a regular school night. And um, I laid in bed, and my the family dog um, climbed up at the foot of my bed. And I was only laying there just a few moments. And, it, you know, I was one of those kids who my mind was always racing. It always took me a long time to fall asleep. So I was just laying there. And without any kind of sound or warning, my bed literally just levitated itself. And it, it rose up and it wobbled. And I remember being <laughs> in terror. I was absolutely terrified. It only went up a couple of inches, I guess, I'm, I'm estimating. And That's it wobbled enough. a little bit. And then it. <laughs> back down with a thud and my dog jumped out of the bed and you know my limbs moved you know from being put back down on the ground and I just I couldn't believe what had happened I was terrified and at that moment my older brother had been coming up the stairs to go to his bedroom and he poked his head in the door and he goes what was that noise and <laughs> I, just, I, I don't I I didn't respond because I didn't know what to say and I was still terrified. And, you know, he just wandered off, probably chalked it up to another, you know, weird little brother moment. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the very first experience I had. Um, and I, and I will never forget it because it was so real. And, and like I said, to have my limbs move, to have the dog react, you know, you know, cause I'm, I'm a left brain guy. So if there was some explanation for this and I'm, I'm gay, um, but it was very real. Mm-hmm. So when, when did you first, uh, coming to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, accepting the paranormal. Um, 
I think the moment I said, okay, this is real. So I, I studied, you know, reincarnation and astral projection and I would do self meditation and, you know, it's, it's easy to say that, Hey, I dreamed I was a knight in shining armor. I must've been <laughs> that at some point, you know, it's easy to say, but you're always like, well, it could just be a dream. And, you know, so you're always looking for that proof. You want that physical proof of the right. non-physical experience. And, you know, we all chase it, but, you know, I guess at some point maybe we'll catch something. Mm-hmm. So first physical experience I had where a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you come over and I'm going to channel for you. And I had no idea what he meant by that. And I said, okay, you know, pizza and beer, I'm in. So we get there <laughs> and, we, and he says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and channel my spirit guide. Her name is Zephyra. And I'm like, okay. And he turns down the air conditioner, like really cold. And I'm like, it's really cold. He's like, yeah, it's going to get really hot in here. And I'm sitting kind of at the other end of the living room from him. And I said, well, should I move closer? He goes, don't worry. You'll be able to hear her. And again, having no idea what channeling was, never seen anything. And after a few minutes of him kind of gyrating a little bit, this woman comes bursting out of his body. And... (laughs) I can't explain the feeling and the, the, the electricity in the room, the energy, and this entity and a woman's voice spoke through his body and spoke to me, and I probably went on for 20 minutes, and I was weirdly at ease, and it was weirdly comfortable, and, I, and, and in, a, in a second, I accepted what was happening. So my brain is like, how can you accept this? This doesn't make sense, but it feels totally comfortable. Mm-hmm. So... She starts to wrap it up, and, of course, I still have, you know, a little doubt starting to creep back. And she does something that absolutely convinces me this was a real experience. She says, let's talk about the dream you had last night. And I had had a dream, and I had not told a soul about the dream. In fact, I had forgotten about it until she brought it up, and she told me the dream from the night before. And that just told me who other or what other than another worldly spirit could access that kind of information. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. Wow. I mean, to go from not even knowing what channeling was and be put in that situation. Holy crap. Yeah, exactly. Holy crap, indeed. So, (laughs) of course, I had to write it down and and document the experience. And I was lucky enough to have several more channeling sessions. Um, But when I started writing The Dead, you know, I got to the part where I had my first channeling experience. And it was, I found it very difficult to put it into words to convey the experience and, and make someone who's never seen it understand it because I didn't understand it until like, it's one of those things you have to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very challenging to get that across. And, you know, I think on TV, the only movie I can think of is unfortunately Ghost, you know, with Patrick Swayze and right. Andy Goldberg. You know, I think somebody jumps in and they're talking, I think it was Orlando, is that you? You know, it's this kind of silly scene, and I didn't want to reference that because it was a very silly scene, but that's what happened is the spirit jumps in Whoopi and, and she speaks through as this individual um, who's speaking to, you know, their family that they, they have left. Right. Wow. That yeah, that's amazing. That, yeah, that's intriguing. Uh, the other one that intrigued me was Ghost Crimes. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't have any of these books, so I'm kind of shooting from the, the hip on it. So I do apologize for that. This is uh... oh, there's Cal, Cal Cooper. Cal Cooper. <laughs> Call, telephone calls from the dead. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, uh, Ann, you want to take our I'm going to mute that. Sure, sure. That's fine. Yeah, Ghost Crimes sounds very intriguing. 
and that's that's also based on real experiences with um, a police uh, officer? Correct. So these are actual cases that happened, and they happened in, in different places or, or in a general same place, but mostly in different areas here in um, central and southern Florida. Mm-hmm. And I strung them, the actual cases together uh, with a fictional narrative using a main, a main character, um, Detective Burke, who was mm-hmm. based on an actual detective who had his own paranormal experiences and couldn't, he didn't really want to accept them, but he sort of had to. He's sort of a reluctant paranormal um, <laughs> investigator in a way um, uh-huh. because they kept studying themselves. Um, so I took, and I got many, many cases when I reached out and, and asked for, you know, real life, you know, paranormal experience from law enforcement bring them together in a, in a very interesting and, and fun narrative. Um, and it gets a little dark for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the reviews are, are been that they absolutely loved it. And, you know, what's scary is these things actually happen. And, you know, we forget that the law enforcement, they, they run into these things. There's when I was researching it, there is when they create their uh, files, there's mm-hmm. a code for the paranormal. So there's a code for a really? or, or murder or, uh-huh. you know, burglary, but code for the paranormal. Now, I don't know if that's just, they have no, what the heck happened, they don't know, um, uh-huh. but there is a normal element, but, you know, they do have stories to tell. Unfortunately, you know, especially in the, in the past, 80s, and maybe even 90s, you know, they were reluctant to tell them. Nobody wanted to be spooky molder, you know, and get shunned by the rest of the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the precinct. Um, but nowadays, they're coming out more, and and, and it's traumatic, you know, it's traumatic to see the crimes that they experience just on a day-to-day basis, the, right. you know, the real physical. But for them to see a paranormal crime, um, that, that's really got to mess with their head, you know, and, and a lot of them go through therapy and, and have, mm-hmm. you know, counseling to work through this stuff. So when you say paranormal crime, what are you talking about exactly? So there were so many stories, um, and, and I, like I said, I, I picked the six. Um, that I thought I could use best that, that wove together neatly into the narrative. Um, but there were the ones that, that didn't make the cut, so to speak. There was one where um, he was, it was an officer who was called out to a house. That, you know, and may, many people may not know that in, in Florida, we have a lot of rural areas. We actually have more livestock per capita than any other state. So there's a lot of land. Uh, and so there, there was a house with a barn, you know, and a couple acres. And this guy called the cops because someone kept killing all his chickens and some of his smaller animals that he kept in the barn. And it's May in Florida, so it's easily 85 degrees. Uh-huh. And the police officer goes back to the barn, and there's light flashing through the windows. And he's like, you know, what's wrong with your lights? And he's like, I don't have lights in there. Oh. And he's like, okay. So he figures there's somebody in there with a flashlight. So he gets in there, and it goes completely black. And there's dead chickens and other small animals that have been mutilated, and mm-hmm. it's freezing cold in this barn. And he's like, why is it cold in here? And, and the guy's like, that's why I called you. You know, I don't know what this uh-huh. So, you know, he, he gets a little freaked out, and he said, well, you need to put a padlock on the door. And he tries to give him some, you know, pointers and, you know, get a security camera, whatever. So anyway, um, he goes home, and he can't shake the feeling that, you know, Something is like at the back of the, the hair on his back of his neck is standing up. He's still freezing, even though he's like left the barn. He's freezing, even though it's mm. 85 degrees out. He gets home, and his two children have been sleeping, and they come running to the door. And his wife is there, and she's very upset. And, and he's like, what happened? And one of the children says, 
um, the man in our room, you know, told us to tell you to stay out of his barn. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he runs to the bedroom, and there's nobody in there. Um, the windows are locked. And, of course, the wife's like, they keep talking about this man who appeared in their room um, to warn you to stay out of his barn. And he, you know, said, you know what? I'm not telling you that my kids saw ghosts. I'm not telling you that ghosts are real. But I am telling you that if I see those signs again, I'm not going anywhere near that kind of oh, experience. Oh, my Lord. Oh, that's, that's, I've never heard anything like that. Oh, these, you know, and, and again, these, these folks, you know, they don't want to come across crazy. But right. there's so many enforcement and EMT and first responders that they see oh, yeah. things they can't explain. You know, the scary thing, and, and so the most scary thing for this individual was not just the, the paranormal experience. What really got him was that he felt like his kids were threatened. Right. And that scared the heck out of him, that, that something could get in his room and scare his children. That was something he would not tolerate. And um, uh-huh. so he went to his church. He had his house blessed. I mean, I think he put sea salt on the outside with holy water and sprayed the windows. I mean, this guy went all out, you know, just making sure his house was protected. But Absolutely. He was very, Something to do with the paranormal going forward. I bet. You know, and that's not it. That's not in. Okay, they're trained to be, you know, a certain way, and paranormal is not probably not any part of that. <laughs> it's so they're, they're, they're trained to be objective, to be yeah. emotionally to, to gather facts, right? And we're very black and white, left brain. Absolutely. You know, literally what happened and when you can't explain it or you see something that's so terrifying and you know so you know there's other stories where they will go to a home they're called for a domestic disturbance a neighbor calls because they hear a couple fighting and they get in there and the couple's like you know we're not fighting we're mm-hmm. fine there's mm-hmm. something broke in the house is trash the furniture's thrown around you know broken you know lamps and dishes etc and they're like we're not doing this oh and they're like people and they're like there's something in here um yeah you know i was on a radio unfortunately show. there's something in the in uh, the station because we've been <laughs> told that it's, we have to take a break so anyways you are listening to ghost chronicles next generation with ann kerrigan and ryan colick my special guest is oh well allen thank you and uh, we'll be right back after the following message right here on tojanet and Parax radio <laughs> Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. 
Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest this evening, paranormal author Gare Allen. I have to dance to that music every time we come back in, you know. The monkeys are dancing to it in, in the uh, icons. That's right. A little monkeys dancing in our <laughs> right little, on beat too. Right on our beat Skype too. chat. Yeah. I, it's like, you know, do, 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 you know. They gotta jump and, around. And that is the theme, of course, from Van Helsing. So there you go. Can't beat it. <laughs> it's Peppy. It's Peppy. No, it's but, the other guy. He's a little guy yeah. that was on uh, Pepe. That's Pepe. Pepe. But yeah. Gare, you were you were starting to tell us about another uh ghostly uh paranormal experience that law enforcement experienced. Yeah, so I had a um a story and it was a very short but but chilling story um so i wasn't able to use it in the book i i may use it i'm, I'm currently writing the sequel uh, ghost crimes to the paranormal enemy so i'm going to try and find a way to weave it such a good story but um so emt had explained that he had been working i think it was 24 hours he was exhausted so you know he, he had to respond and unfortunately um, somebody called and said that there was a woman that was not responding and they feared that she had passed away um, so he shows up to the house and, and really just expecting to find, you know, a deceased body and kind of go through the, the protocol of that. Um, but he brought his equipment anyway. So he goes up to the door and the door is just slightly cracked open. And so, you know, being, you know, since the call was somebody had passed away or could have passed away, he pushed the door open and a woman is standing there with a uh, yellow robe and she's got dark hair and she just points up the stairs. So he rushes up the stairs and unfortunately, he finds, you know, a woman who's passed away, um, but it's the same woman that he just saw in the yellow robe with oh, the hair. Oh, 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 that's freaky. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, he, he, the only thing that, that makes him second guess what happened was because he had been working for 24 hours, but he's like, right. I wasn't that tired. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty tired if you would see yeah. something like that. But, Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And they must see stuff all the time and they must go, yep, I didn't see that. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, I was, I was on a show when the, the host, um, you know, had some friends in law enforcement and, and he had told me a story and um, that he, he went to a home and the woman was, it, it called in and said, help, help, you know, my child's being hurt. And they rushed there and they, all he could describe was that there was a child being thrown around the room like a bag doll by and by nothing. There was no person, no animal, no anything. But this, this poor child is being thrown against the wall and back and forth. And his oh poor God. mother is cowered in the corner in tears, helpless. And, you know, they, they just watched. And, and one of them left. They, they said, this is unholy. I can't, you know, oh. to see it. You know, we all have, you know, there's something about, you know, children and animals especially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see them 
defenseless and we're, you know, it's our job as adults to protect them. And, you know, for them to see that, I can't imagine the road of, of recovery and mm-hmm. mental health those, those poor folks had to endeavor on to get past what they saw. Wow. Oh, my God. Did you say how they stopped that? Or... Uh, he, he didn't. He didn't go on with the story from there. I'm not sure how it ended. If it just oh. ended, or sometimes you know a different energy and in, 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 you know um, introduced into the room can can change things. You know, it's all about right. the energy you know, that they use on the other side. But um, that just you know again it gets you on so many levels and so many different ways to hear that those things and, and mm-hmm. you know happen. But what do you put on the report? What do you say right. when you get back? Right. Because everybody what- wants. They want to blame the parent or you right. know, an intruder. But guess what? It wasn't the parent, and there was no intruder that was visible anyway. Right. So is there a um, – is it like a universal code? Because like 5150, somebody call a popo, you know? Um, that's somebody's crazy. That's like, okay, we get a crazy person. So what's the paranormal code? <laughs> is there like a universal yeah, code? And I, yeah, and I imagine, you know, I don't know. I mean – Oh. I have many friends in, on the, in the police forces. I could certainly find out, of course. Um, but, I'd uh, be interested yeah. to know what yeah. that is. It's, uh, however, you know, the paranormal is not – it's more accepted around here than I think down there, evidently, because uh, they're far uh, more open to bring in mediums and uh, psychics t- to work on a, a case than they did, of course, many years ago. Yeah, they have to be careful because, you know, you show up to a domestic disturbance and, you know, one of the, the partners are, are beaten and bruised and they said, it wasn't me, it was a ghost. Yeah, okay, you know, come on. Right. You know, so people want to just explain it away. You know, I live in a haunted house. I didn't do it. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the victims, you know, want to protect them. You know, that's part of the dynamic of, unfortunately, in those situations. Um, so, yeah, they, you got to... I think um, unresolved or, you know, still open, you know, they kind of go more with a vague, you know, and uh, notation in the police file than saying it, you know, parent It's part of the part of the training. In fact, they're, they're taught to use their intuition, uh, just the regular mm-hmm. police officers, that, which is when you can think about it, ESP, which is paranormal. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They get, you know, they like to read people. But they can also read when someone is, is lying and not lying. So mm-hmm. when someone says, hey, something's happening, and they say, okay, they're not lying, so now I've got to look for something. I, I, I have to look for something outside of anything they're going to give me at this point. Um, yeah. You know, sort of, yeah, we have to debunk everything. We have to remove all the possibilities before we can go to the paranormal possibility. Yeah, Kat from the uh, Pararex chat room says uh, 666 code means dispatch. We have a demon. <laughs> seriously come on <laughs> just saying all right if you say so all right <laughs> i didn't cat did <laughs> it makes sense though it makes yeah sense. right right <laughs> anyway so i mean uh what other books uh or things that you have coming up uh are you working on other projects yeah so um i'm actually working on making ghost crimes a screenplay um, the way it's sectioned, it's six cases and six chapters, and like I said, I strung them together in a narrative, and um, I think it would make just a, a fantastic film. So uh, yeah, putting that together, now, yeah. uh, hopefully it'll become a, a, a movie at some point. I'll have to shop it once it's completed. Um, mm-hmm. So this year, 
that I'm working on, Ghost Crimes 2, The Paranormal Enemy. I'll have that out um, in August. In September, I'll be returning to Massachusetts um, for the uh, Mass Paracon. And this year it's in, and forgive me, is it Lennox or Lennox? Lennox is correct. Yep. Lennox. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, together another Paracon. Uh, mm-hmm. Joni Mahan and myself will be back for that. And um, that's September 27th um, through the 29th. Um, mm-hmm. If you want additional information, attending or tickets, you can go to uh, GareAllen.com um, and get that. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, that'll be a nice trip. So do you think yeah. you're work, working on a uh, screenplay will be more difficult than just writing a book? So it's interesting. It, it's very different. So when you write a book, if, if I you know, say, okay, I'm going to have Anne and Ron and they're going to be in a bar. So I've got to <laughs> describe, go. describe the bar. Is it a sports bar? Is it a, you know, you know, high end bar at the bottom of a hotel, you know, and, and the whole nine yards I, for the setting, I've really got to dig and paint a picture. Whereas in a screenplay, you put interior sports bar and boom, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so it's really heavy on, and the characters just speak. So the characters are the characters, whoever is, is the is actors. So really it's, it's dialogue heavy to move. Right. The, the scene and the action forward. So it's not as labor intensive in that respect, um, but the angles and the shots. And then, you know, if you want to get, you know, fancy and, you know, kind of fade in and fade out, or if you're jumping from different time frames, and, and so in ghost crimes, we start out in one scene and then we flash back four hours earlier to the beginning of the investigation to bring it back to the end, um, which is that beginning scene at the end. And then of course, you know, if I were to go after my reincarnation stories and seven lessons, Oh my God, you know, you're flashbacking to these time periods. Um, mm-hmm. So that gets a tricky in there, but I, I absolutely love writing about that. So I write about things that I love and enjoy. So it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that respect, but you know, that old, you know, saying, you know, that it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Nah. It just means it's a lot of work. And right. the first draft is just that. The first draft is not the finished product. And mm-hmm. um, your, your readers, your editors, um, they will, you know, just, you know, shred it. And, um, and, and for good reason. You know? So you can go back and make it even better and give the reader what they want. Um, and in some cases it's major things in some cases it's minor things. So, um, you know, when you're done with the first draft, you're still months away from, um, the completed project, but mm-hmm. it's a labor of, um, and you know, my, when I wrote seven Le- lessons with the seven short stories about my metaphysical adventures and experiences, it was my attempt at metaphysics 101 because so many <laughs> people say, yeah, you know, I had this happen to me and oh, I was, is that what that was? Or, you know, they can kind of make some sense of it and understand it because for some people it may, you know, be unsettling that they had an experience and, or maybe think that every paranormal or metaphysical experience is negative. And it's not. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. spirit guides or those passed away or, you know, your, your inner guidance, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, they can be very positive things. And that's mm-hmm. you know, how we look. And so if I can share my experiences and, and someone can, help define their own and be better for it, um, that's a huge win for me as a writer. Right. right. And, and the interesting thing about that is a lot of people think it's paranormal is is bad, it's evil, like you said, but it, it, whether you know it or not, but most religious experience are paranormal experiences. Uh, so it's it's they can be uplifting and, and good as well. Mm-hmm. 
So, so the paranormal is usually, well, you know, we all wear black shirts when we investigate, right? Cause <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, they, it, they do. It's, it's at night. We have flashlights. It's all dark. You know, and I don't do a lot of investigating. But, you know, these when you see the TV shows, that's certainly what they present. But, you mm-hmm. know, the paranormal, the paranormal is defined as anything that can't be explained by science. And guess mm-hmm. what? Exactly. Religion falls into that category. And I had Absolutely. a conversation. Yeah, I had a conversation with somebody, you know, had a religious belief and, um, you know, they were very weird about ghosts. And, and I said, you, you, you worship resurrection. It's literally, you call it the Holy Ghost. I don't uh-huh. understand why there would be such a disassociation, uh, you know, and not wanting to accept that. I, I didn't, it just, it, I wasn't trying to be combative or make fun of them. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, it sense to me, but if you can, you know, and then metaphysical is just anything above, beyond, or transcending the physical. It's, it's something outside of ourselves, and we can only better define what's happening here by understanding what's happening, you know, out there, so to speak. So I don't understand why you wouldn't want to continue that drive to explore and understand and, and, and expand your mind and take it to the limit that you're comfortable, you know. That's mm-hmm. fine, you know. You don't mm-hmm. have to believe everything that's happening. But I believe that the more – I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of experiences, and I think it's because I'm open to it. I think, you know, the spirits or the energies or what you want to call them on the other side will absolutely you, – you will bring them in. You'll be a beacon of light for them to come in, and, and you'll have experiences, and I welcome that. So I think if you close down, generally you won't be aware of them or they won't pre- present themselves as much. Do you guys find that to be true? Yes. I, I think so. Although I, I go in, I and I think I have, I think I'm open. I think I know I have an open mind to this, and and usually I get nothing. Uh, but I I'm trying. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying too hard. I don't know. I'm I feel that I'm open to it, but I'm still kind of waiting. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the the interesting thing about it is is. Uh... I don't know who you had a religious talk with, but of course the the Catholic Church has been investigating the paranormal for thousands of years. It's, they accept the paranormal as as something that's uh, more than in, in this world, more than natural, and uh, you know. So it, it's it's not. Uh, we kind of try to separate it, but it, it really isn't. Uh, you can you can have experiences in church. Uh, and have that same feeling on an investigation uh, when spirit is around. It's it's uh, it's up to like you said, it's the individual. The more you do it, the more you get to identify the different energies and so forth. Yeah, and, and you you hit the nail on the head. You know, there's a stigma attached to the paranormal, so automatically mm-hmm. you think or demons. You know, you think the negative or, or the right. darker side. But you know, you have people that say, "Oh my gosh, you know, my, I lost my father." And last night I felt somebody sit on the bed and a book fell from my, you know, dresser. And it was mm-hmm. the book he gave me, our favorite book. He read it to me and I kept it. And, and you're like, okay, you, I, I, I love that you had this wonderful experience, but you know, you did have a paranormal experience, mm-hmm. you know, whether you want to is that is not, you know, technically, you know, that's what you had. And right. so people forget those experiences that bring us comfort and, and, and some, maybe some ease and in a moment of grief. Are paranormal also, and you know, I have a very personal story um, or in, uh, experience where um, my mother passed in 2009, and, and suddenly I was like, "Wow, 
I don't know what's happened. Has she passed on? Has she crossed over? Is something happening? Is she is she okay? I didn't mm-hmm. know what's on the other side. Are there negative forces? Is there, you know, I started to worry and really, you know, suddenly those ghosts that, you know, had experience with, it suddenly had a name and a, and a face and it was my mother. Mm-hmm. And I, it very uneasy and my mind raced with the implications and I obviously overthought it. I was having some trouble, you know, with the loss and I was really struggling with it. And of course, anybody I talked to just looked at me like I had three heads, you know, so <laughs> there was really no talking through it with anybody. So I'm in the kitchen one day and, you know, just to let you know, there's no, you know, radio, no, nobody's home but me. And I go to send a text to a friend of mine and I hit the voice dictate. And I hit it, and as soon as I hit it, it turned itself off. So I wasn't able to say a word, but it captured two words, and it's, it read out to me, Mom, good. Oh. And I just, yeah. And I just oh. thought, you know what? If I didn't get a message, if that isn't a message about what I was clearly obsessing over and worrying about, you know, and, right. and again, I debunked the radio, no TV. So, you know, that's a wonderful paranormal experience, yes. you know, for me. Yes. Oh, it is. That's great. It's what you needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, you know, you can tell by some of the stories I tell that they're not, they're short, they're small, they're little instances, they're little moments that happen in our lives. And, and, you know, we got to look for them and, and, and recognize them. And, you know, some of the smallest moments like that have the biggest impacts. Right. I agree. I agree. And and different things mean, I mean, different things mean different things to people. I mean, you could just see, uh, for instance, you could see a a cardinal. And to you, that might mean something like, you know, my mom always loved collect cardinal uh, glasses or or figurines or everything. And you end up seeing these cardinals uh, more often than, than not. And that that may be a sign from the the other side to let you know that uh, she's with you or or whatever. Absolutely, and 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 I think when you know, you know, there's I, I use the term resonate when something resonates with me, meaning that I don't just see it and think, huh, that this, and my brain's doing the work. When something, when a, when a feeling or a belief or an understanding surges through me in an emotion that resonates with me and it, it, it's just a real thing that has brought itself to me and then I go okay and there's no there's no even second thought of that it's not what I and I love that they don't happen every day or every you know it, really that often because if they did I don't think we'd recognize them um, mm-hmm. so when they do have, have that much more impact right so do you as far as you, you said you don't uh, investigate very often. Is that something you, you choose not to do or is it is something you have no interest in? So, you know, I started out with the metaphysics and, you know, so the way I look at metaphysics, you know, it's the astral projection, the reincarnation. You're kind of going within. You're looking within yourself and digging deep in your subconscious and that sort of thing. And, you know, trying to connect with your spirit guides. And the paranormal side is more, you know, we're looking for outside activity. You know, we're looking ghosts and things like that in haunted places. Um, so <laughs> I, I was big into metaphysics, and, and I was still big into metaphysics when I bought a house in 1999 that I found out soon after I bought it um, was haunted. Hmm. So it, uh, I didn't have to go hunting or, or get an EV or anything like that. Uh, able to just sort of um, experience things in my home. Unfortunately, when I was moving in, the neighborhood kids rolled up and 
told me that the individual who owned the house had killed himself in the front bedroom. Oh, God. And, Thanks, kids. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, for the informants, right, of the neighborhood. I'm like, right? okay. Uh-huh. So I, you know, I called my realtor and I said, well, did that really happen? And she's like, yeah, it's been vacant for four months. And the reason it was hard to sell is because of what happened. Uh-huh. And I said, we, and legally in Florida, they do not have to disclose that information, unfortunately. Ah, uh, so, man. Yeah, so um, many, many, many things happened soon after. Um, I think the most startling uh, moment was I was sitting at the computer and um, there was no fan on. The air conditioner hadn't kicked on. And my lab at the time was laying at my feet. And the blinds, the vertical blinds, just, it was like somebody took their hand and smacked them as hard as they could. <laughs> and these things winging, and my lab jumped up. I mean, oh. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> You're here. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're, you know, the deceased individual. Um, but I noticed that whenever I would do any kind of renovations, the activity like that would increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the house was completely empty um, right before I moved in, and we were hanging um, new blinds and ceiling fans, but there was nothing in the house, no furniture, no boxes. So a friend of mine was helping me, and I went to Home Depot, and I came back. And when I came through the front door, he was talking. And I thought he was on the phone, but he wasn't. And I said, who are you talking to? And he turned and he was startled. And he goes, where did you come from? But I just got back from Home Depot. And he said, well, who have I been talking to? Uh, So he had been talking to a voice that had been coming from the front bedroom. And and he was still working at the same time, you know, hammering and doing things. And so he was sort of like half listening and half responding. But I said, well, what were they, what was the voice saying to you? He said, well, I was asking him questions like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm hanging blind. Like, why are you doing it? And he's like, because you told me to do it. And he's thinking it's, you know, giving him a hard time. And, um, you know, we had like his tools went missing. And again, this house had walls and floor. There was nowhere for the tools to go. Where would they be? Uh, right. Yeah. And they just disappeared. And, so a lot of things happened like that um, for many years. So there was, um, I had these Santas that were at the bottom of the Christmas tree. There's about three or four of them, and they just sort of sit there. And they would just appear in the middle of the room at random. Ah. And, yeah, and, and so one day I said, okay, enough of this. And I put the Santa back, and I went to get my phone. I was going to rec- put up the recorder. And when I got back, the Santa was back in the middle of the room. Oh, for goodness sakes. So, you know, I got a little wait. I'll have to admit, I said, okay, what's with the parlor tricks? You know, if you want to impress me, you know, <laughs> you know, manifest some money or something, something I can use. <laughs> but, um, so do I have time to continue with this? I had sort of a, a horrific experience that resulted from that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. so unfortunately I found out through the neighbors that when they found the individual who had, um, she had shot himself in the front bedroom, he had been divorced um, he was going through a very bad divorce, and um, he was very distraught. And they found an altar set up, and it was very similar to voodoo or Santeria, where there were a lot of different, you know, objects and, and animal parts and things like uh. that. Can't, yeah. So we're not sure what he was into or what he was dabbling into or what he was doing, or but turns out he conjured something. So one night, I'm thinking that a lot of the things in the house are happening because of the deceased man who owned the house, um, but there was also a second entity, um, or it, it will look like a demon to me. So one night I'm laying in bed, 
and I, I'm, I'm agitated and I can't get to sleep and I don't know why. I, have, I had a fine day, but I'm, I'm laying on my side and I had my shirt off and I feel two fingers Ooh. poke me in, and they poked me with such force that I rock. <laughs> and of course, I turn around and I freak out and there's this yellow demon looking like a, a burnt face with yellow eyes. And Holy I, crap. I, I, yeah, I've told this story a lot of times, and a lot of the people I've told it to have said, yes, that's a, a common report of that kind of demon. Um, and, and he's just staring, and, and, I, and I freeze. I'm immobile. I'm paralyzed. I can't move. Mm-hmm. And I'm frozen at this thing, and it's just staring at me, kind of like almost investigating me like it's curious. Mm-hmm. And the whiskers on its chin um, lightly brush against mine. That's how close this thing is to my face. And with that touch, I was able to move. So this thing runs out of my bedroom and runs straight to the front bedroom. Now, a couple of things to consider here. Number one, the, fr- the door to the front bedroom was closed, and that room was so cold, even in Florida in the summer, with the vent closed. It stayed cold. It was ridiculous. It was the weirdest thing. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there was sort of energy or, or experience going on in there. So not only do I hear the door slam, even though the door was already closed, the door slammed. The dog, I had three dogs at the time. They jumped up and chased an invisible something oh, down Lord. the hall and were just going nuts, barking and trying to get through this door. Well, there's the doorbell. We mean pizza from the dead here, so we've got to wrap it up. Do you want to finish your story up? Yeah. Let's, yeah. I need to hear the end. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, kind of freaked me out. So I reached out um, to a psychic friend of mine who – was going to come over and do a cleansing. Uh, he was attacked um, the night before by uh-huh. some sort of that came to his house, and so that didn't pan out. Um, but I reached out to, um, I don't know if you know Michael Robichon. Um, he was the subject of Joni's book, Ruin of Souls, uh, Modern Day Shaman, and mm-hmm. he was able to uh, remotely um, actually clean my house and rid my house finally um, of that negative entity. Oh, so God. <laughs> yeah, since then I'm with the sea salt and the holy water barrier outside of the house, I take no chances. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, that's the little, little molt of holy water outside there. <laughs> salt, the salt and holy water. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, it, for those who would like to find out more about uh, Gear, he can go to his website, which is www.gare. A-L-L-E-N.com. He's got his books up there. He's got a little blog. He's got Christmas cards from the boys. He's got dogs. So, He's got rescue yeah. dogs. So, Gia, <laughs> thank, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. It was a great, it was a great uh, interview, and um, I'm going to have to grab some of your books. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so again, anyway, guys. I've... Yeah, thank you. So uh, just a reminder, uh, check out Ghost Chronicles, more Ghost Chronicles. Excuse me, the new book's out now. And, of course, uh, uh, Spirit Quest uh, 2019 X-Files will be this year with Steve Parson and and, uh, Steve Dillon from the U.K. and a host of other characters. So join us for that. Go to the website, anyghostproject.com, and check it all out. So... Anything you want to add there, Ed? Next two weeks is the live show, TV Ooh, show. Yeah, two weeks live. Five-year anniversary. Five-year anniversary Tune it in of, on the, 30th. of the video broadcast. The video broadcast. Like 100 years for the regular one. Yeah, right. So anyway, 
All right. Good night. God bless everyone. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.